Owen, my buddy, has shown up in the lectern because he's going to share with you some scripture. But Owen, before you read that, I want to help us sort of have some context to it. This comes from one of the most beautiful books of the Bible. It's Philippians. And it's a wonderful letter written between people who really have come to know each other and care about each other. Philippians is a story of uh, the Philippian church relating to their mentor and founder, the Apostle Paul. And as this section of the letter is written, you hear the very deep love and, and connection they have with each other. It's illustrated for us, and I invite you to hear these words as Owen shares them with you from Philippians 4. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Owen. Would you join with me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this great passage of Scripture, this wonderful letter, but even more than that, for your relationship with us, for your movement in this place, and for the stirring of our hearts. So I ask that you would bless the hearing, understanding, and proclaiming of this word, not only as we talk about it in this room, but as we live it out in the world. All of this to your glory and for your purpose, in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. I also just wanted to recognize that we are so grateful to have members of our confirmation class helping lead us in worship today as they are continuing to learn all about the ministry, and so we're glad you guys are here. So welcome. Good seeing you. Last week, we celebrated two truths in um, Scripture in the sermon that we talked about last week. One was the fact that God is a creator God, and that says an awful lot about how we see the world. When you say God is a creator God, then it says that the one that you revere the most, the one who has control of all that we see and even beyond what we can see, the very nature of God is to create, not only in that moment long ago, but in every moment. So the God we know has intentionality because it is a part of God's inner being. God cannot stop creating. So not only do we look at creation and see the beauty around us, but we celebrate the fact that God is still creating. We are celebrating the fact that God is not done with any of us, right? And we're thrilled that God is not done with anyone. God continues to be in that active dynamic process of wanting to make what was always intended come to fruition in all of our lives and in the world. And having said that, we also know the Scripture tells us right at the very beginning, we are created in God's image. That means that in our DNA, at the very core of who we are, we too are at our best when we are creating, when we are adding, when we're contributing, when we are part of something becoming beautiful and wonderful and holy and healthy. That's how we find our identity. And so as we think about that, we consider the fact that if we ever lose our way, one of the best ways to get back on track is to start imitating God in whose image we've been created, to start doing things that create, that add to God's gifts in this world, that allow us to find ourselves co-partners with God and making all things new. I mean, let's be clear. When you're having a bad day or a bad year or a bad stretch in your life, instead of sitting around and reflecting and focusing on all that is going wrong around you, 
Have you not found it to be true that the best thing you can do is get up off your butt and go help somebody else? Have you found that to be true? Carl Menninger, a great psychologist, said after all of his psychotherapy with clients, he said, the best thing I have to say to my people who are depressed is go help somebody else. There's something about engaging yourself and helping and and creating that gets us the identity of who we are with God and gives us hope. So if you're having a bad patch right now or you're struggling with things in your life or in the world, maybe it's time to quit focusing on that and maybe it's time for you to focus on that truth that is within you. You are created in God's image. Last uh, Sunday night with uh, middle school youth, I had this great opportunity to sit and talk with the kids, and as we did that, we talked about the fact that they were created in God's image. You know, there's nothing more powerful. And you understand, I'm a father of daughters, right? And I've got three granddaughters and one grandson. So you know where I'm oriented. There's nothing more powerful for me than to look in the eyes of a young seventh grade girl and say to her, you are created in the image of God. And don't you dare let anybody else ever tell you anything different. There's something freeing about that truth because it's true. And it's true for us as well. We celebrate that. We remembered that last week. So we are called in the same way in which God is generous by God's acts of creation. So too are we. We are called to be in the world intentionally using our capacities to create places and offer gifts of mercy and compassion and justice and grace. Now last week, I invited you to think about what you could do this past week to act generously in the world. We gave you little stones to take with you. And if you didn't get one, you can have them. They're still out there. You can pick one up, put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, put it in your shoe, whatever's appropriate. And keep reminded that you are part of this creation. And let that little pebble or stone remind you. And it was interesting, following the the 9 o'clock service, I had several folks come up to me. One person, literally with tears in his eyes, said, you don't know how much that helped me this past week. I reached out of my pocket and I would tap the stone. And I would remember to be generous. One mom came and told me that her little son uh, came to her this past week and ran into the kitchen and said, Mom, give me the bag of Oreos. Well, what do you want to do with the bag of Oreos? I want to take it next door and give it to our next door neighbors. Well, why do you want to do that? Because I want to be generous. So, he, so Max takes the Oreos unopened right from the store and runs next door and gives them to their neighbor because he was taught in church he's supposed to be generous. Don't you wish Max lived next door to you? <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, and as the story goes, so Max gives the Oreos and just gave it as a gift to them. And the father of the family who answered the door said, Max, Oreos are my favorite cookies. But they're so much my favorite. The only time my family will ever let me have them is on my birthday. So, yay, I get Oreos today from you. And it was just a great story and a wonderful moment. Um, and so just, just to say that there are ways in which we can begin thinking about putting those ripples in the pond that help people feel loved and, and grateful and blessed, and we can all do that. So think about doing that. And if you didn't get your stone, or if you put your stone somewhere and didn't use it, activate the stones and start putting ripples of grace out into the world. Be generous, because that's who you were made to be. It's what God always intended. Yesterday, we hosted as a congregation about 60-plus churches who came here 
to learn how to be healthy churches, to learn how to do effective ministry in their settings. And, and it was a great day, and there were wonderful workshops. We didn't put any of them on. We were hosting uh, for the district, but it was gra- we were glad to do it. But as we did it, I, I kept thinking, you know, if they really want to know what it looks like to be a healthy church, what they should have done at 9 o'clock is join us down by the north entrance. Take a good screen and see what they would have seen. You had over 110 people gather here yesterday morning and fill up two trailerfuls of items that then were taken up to Flint to be distributed to those who needed those items to be able to get through the winter. Give yourselves a hand for that good work. Actions like that reflect the generosity of God. When we do those things, we begin to live in the image of God. And if, I hope you paid attention or could see, but there was a line from the middle of the church that came all the way out the church and extended down the sidewalk all the way to the parking lot, handing out sleeping bags and coats and all kinds of things to make lives better for those who could receive those gifts. It was awesome. Why does it matter? Well, of course it matters for those who receive those gifts, for them to be able to have items that will allow them to be better prepared for this season, which is really quickly coming upon us. Of course that matters. But it also equally matters for those who give. Not because we get to go in the city of Flint, in this example, and be all that to those people, but rather, no, it's not that. We get to go and share in seeing the beauty of God where we are, wherever we are. You know, some of you, that Flint's sort of my home turf. I'm a Genesee County boy, if you couldn't tell. And we are distinctive boys. Let me be clear about that. And, and Flint's sort of my home turf. And, and so to go into Flint is not to go into the city that's tight because it has bad water or issues of the urban environment that don't afflict us in Clarkson, we think. To go into Flint for me is to go home. To go into Flint and see people come in, not because they are in need, but because they are grandparents and parents and children who love each other and care for each other. Because we meet people in that moment when we begin to recognize those folks are just like us. They're no different than our confirmation class or any of you here or any of that multi-generational group who went up to Flint. And we get to share with them. We get to see the beauty of Flint as Flint demonstrates amazing generosity and gratitude back to those who went. If any of you went, did you experience any beauty in the city of Flint yesterday? You did. Because it exists wherever God's generosity is being expressed and lived out. And yesterday, what was given was not one way from Clarkston, but two ways from people coming together over a common bond and building bridges. That's good news. That's the work of Jesus Christ. When we are able to see beyond in a community or in the life of another what is lacking 
to seeing what is beautiful and abundant and gifted, then we are able to see where God is and to become those who not only give but receive from God the beauty that is around us. That's what the Apostle Paul is writing about here in Philippians. The Apostle Paul is writing from prison. He's in prison. And he's talking about celebrating this good gift that is his. I want you to hear just another couple of verses ahead of where I asked Owen to read. I rejoice in the Lord greatly in prison. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. The Apostle Paul is not here writing in gratitude for what the gift was, but rather what the gift represented. He's given God thanks for the fact that the Philippians loved him and cared about him. And says even though they were concerned for him, they were not able to share it. And once they were able to share it, the gift magnified. And so that even in prison, Paul could praise and give thanks. Isn't that the goal of life so that wherever we are, whatever we're living through, we can give God thanks and praise, we can find joy, we can find contentment wherever we are? Wouldn't that be an amazing gift to live? Wouldn't that be an amazing gift to give? It is who we are. Our choice, like the Philippian church and like Paul, is to decide whether or not we are willing to let our generosity overflow and change the life of others. Now, how many of you have ever practiced in the past or been the recipient of someone else practicing what we used to call random acts of kindness? Anybody ever done that? Right? Any of you ever get a free McDonald's lunch in the drive-thru? Any of you wish you'd have been at the steakhouse instead? <laughs> or have you purchased something for the car behind you? I mean, those are wonderful moments. Those are great moments, like Max taking Oreos to the neighbors. I mean, those are wonderful moments. Golly, we need to do more of that. And man, if you need anybody to say it to you, I give you pastoral permission. Go act randomly with kindness and grace and generosity in the world. But what I want to talk with you about these next few minutes is not those random acts. But those acts of generosity that ground us, that remind us on a continual basis who we are, and what we're called to be. For we are called not simply to practice random acts of generosity when the moment strikes us. Rather, we're called to live in the image of God and always be generous, as Paul celebrates here. And he celebrates it because that's how he's come to know Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was overwhelmingly generous to him. And so he was able to do that in the name of Christ with Philippians and others. Our radical choice is to be people who decide that we will live generously in every moment. Now, you have heard me say more than a few times that I do believe that we are called to be the most radically generous congregation beyond our wildest imagination for the sake of Jesus Christ. That is not rhetoric. It's an invitation to live as Jesus has called us to live. It's an invitation for you to live with joy. 
It's an invitation for you to live with happiness. You can spend every day looking for a reason to be unhappy or looking at the things that actually are making you unhappy, or you can choose to look at God's generosity with you. You can live in joy. God, why wouldn't you choose joy? Why wouldn't you choose Christ? Why wouldn't you choose to live generously? You get to do that today, for all things are made new, and you get to start right now, right this minute. In saying yes to that invitation from Christ, we can do Christ's work in the world. We will live generously whenever we also choose to be grounded in generosity. You know, that's why we give you the the stones to put in your pocket. You won't always carry those stones with you. I get that. Some of you are going to put them through the wash this week and not be happy you didn't take it out of your pocket. But what if you simply touched your heart or your mind and Remember, I am a child of God, and I'm called to be generous, and I will do so. But I'm going to ground that in specific ways. I'm going to choose to be radically generous with the people I live with. And whether that's your children or your spouse, and I'm not talking about gifts. I'm not talking about, although they may be a manifestation, I'm talking about how you share your love and your time. I'm talking about how you let them know they matter. Remember, we talked about relationships last month, and I said any real relationship requires what? Time, money, and effort. And if you heard money is the most important of those three, then you are not listening. What if you gave to your spouse or your kids or your parents or your neighbors or your friends intentional decisions that I will live with you generously? I'll be invested in you. So that every time I'm with you, I'm reminded not only of who we are, but who I am and who we are together as God's children. That's who we're called to be. Do you understand? And you can do that in every instance, in every circumstance. Now, yesterday, amidst all the amazing, wonderful things that happened, there was an incident that occurred in the city of Flint. All of our people were inside the building handing out items. And as a few folks were still standing in line, some other people came up from out of the neighborhood and and assaulted one of the people standing in line. He was beaten up, significantly so. The police were called. And our confirmation class, all in the building, all safe, left as it was originally planned to go to the restaurant to have their meal. I heard it was pretty good food, yes? The ice cream was at least wonderful. That much I was confirmed with, okay? I mean, they had a great time. They were fine. And our people who were left behind eventually left. We had to because the police came and made it up at a crime scene. There was an investigation, so we had to shut down. So we had to leave. Now, all the items that we collected we either handed out yesterday or are now on their way to be given to other people who similarly in Flint and in Pontiac will receive these items so they can be better prepared for the winter. So nothing was lost. But as I got the word from Flint, because I was here for that event, I had to stay here in the church, I got the word back from our leaders. They did exactly everything right, what they should do. Everybody was safe. Communication was clear. I had a letter written by the time everyone arrived back home to give to parents so they would know what actually happened, not what the rumors would say. But let me tell you this. You and I get to choose how we see what happened yesterday. 
We get to choose whether or not we celebrate that long line, whether we celebrate the items that were collected, whether we celebrate that while we were in Flint, there were people who came in who were generous with their, with their great gratitude and their thankfulness. And in those moments, contacts were made and friendships were made. We can recognize that. We can recognize it in a neighborhood that doesn't look exactly like ours here. There are families living and doing the best they can to love each other and care for each other. We can remember that, and we can remember the next time you drive into Flint, not about its water situation, but about its families and individuals you've come to meet and know and love. You can choose to do that, or you can talk about an incident that happened in the parking lot. The incident matters because violence anywhere is a matter that we'll pay attention to. The other part I forgot to tell the 9 o'clock crowd so you get to know this, that while this man was laying there injured, people from our congregation stepped up and gave medical attention, showed compassion, and did what they do well with their talents. I want to remember that, too. You get to choose. Well, here's what we choose. Next year, we're going back to Flint. We're gathering sleeping bags and cats and ho- coats and hats and gloves and eyeglasses and the like. We're going to fill up more trailers. We're going up with more people because why? Because there are people up there who God loves and we love, and we will not let one incident deter us from going and seeing the beauty of that community and the beauty of building with each other. We're going back. Amen? We will not be deterred any more than we were deterred when a year ago we had an incident in our parking lot. You choose to be God's people. You choose to be God's disciples. You choose to be people who witness Jesus Christ and Christ's generosity. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm inviting you to choose how you want to live and who you want to be, and how you want to bless the world. In the next 10 days, you're also going to be receiving an estimate, a giving card. You're going to be receiving that because we're going to invite you to contribute to the financial health of this ministry. It matters. It matters a great deal. The reason we do that is so you can be grounded in that gratitude. Laura and I give into that cause, my wife and I, because we believe that every time we do anything with our money, we want to remember who we are and what we support. And next week, we'll be talking about praying in gratitude. But right now, I want you to think about being grounded in it. I want you to think about what you will do right now in the prayer we're about to have for you to think about how you will be invested in radical generosity with the people you love, the people you work with, the people you go to school with. I want you to consider how we as a congregation will sell out to living in God's image. And I want us to celebrate the good news that you and I, grounded in that truth, become changed people. And so too does the world get changed. At least... That's what I think. But what do I know? Amen.